When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Score North on AM 1500 KSTP St. Paul, Minneapolis. 94.5 KSTP FM St. Paul HD2. And on ScoreNorth.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. And that's intercepted on a tip ball by Harrison Smith. Down the sideline, inside the 15, and dropped inside the 10. All right, it is time for football. Welcome to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Today, Judd Zulgad will be in the second hour for Hot Routes. Manny Hill is producing in for Jonathan. He will also be a Hot Route participant. I am... This might be my, I think this is my first time, uh, Manny, doing hot routes with you. Actually, and I, I think forgot. So, yeah. I'm really to, excited. You got to send Manny the hot routes. Well, no, I, I did. I, got the I, I did send him. I did not send you. Did Did you get the guest for today at 220? Did Jonathan uh, send that to I you? I did not okay, get that. I will no. take care of that then. I will get you our uh, guest. I'm just going to text Manny real quick. You guys just talk about <laughs> Um No, the hot, the hot routes are good today. I'm yes. very excited about these routes. I'm, I'm just running all of them. Okay, beautiful. That's coming up at 3 o'clock. And uh, we want to start, though, with the big news of the day today, which is that Melvin Gordon, the running back from the Los Angeles Chargers, says that he will not play on his fifth-year option. He will hold out. He will pull Le'Veon Bell if that's what it takes. And um, he, he's just not going to play for $5.6 million. That's the fifth-year option for running backs, which is really, really low. When Anthony Barr played on his fifth-year option, I remember him saying to us... $12.3 million. Yeah, he was like, I got money, guys. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> because he was making, right, uh, over $12 million. Now, this is uh, interesting to me, Courtney, for on a couple of different levels. But the first is, before we connect it to the Vikings, running backs... We discussed Delvin Cook and his potential market for an extension if he had a great year this year on the show the other day. And it's really become a hot point of debate of how much you should pay running backs, how much they're worth, whether anyone should even bother running the football anymore. What is your take on running backs in 2019 and whether you should pay someone who's as good as Melvin Gordon? Not a highly known person if you don't play fantasy, but he is a uh, a really good running back. Well, I think he's criminally underpaid for how good he is and what he what, just how big of a part of the Chargers offense that he's been the last four seasons. Um He's he's within his right to do this. I think it's smart timing. I think that it's going to force their hand a little bit. But when when a situation like this happens, and we don't often have first round running backs that we're talking about with fifth year options, things like that, it makes me wonder down the line what's going to happen with Sa- Saquon Barkley. Is he going to be in this sa- same type of situation, or or are they going to? I don't know. What what can they do um, to kind of make it right? Because you have these dynamic playmakers, the ones that are taken in the first round, not often. You don't. You just don't see it that often in today's game. So if you're taking a running back in the first round, who you're probably going to extend a fifth year option to eventually, it makes me feel like they want to do. They should do right by the player, and I don't know. You know, for, force their hand a little bit. Make them. If if you are that big of a part of the offense, you should be making a lot more than five point six million, which, as you said, is the fifth year option for running backs in. Uh, you know, in this salary cap cycle so that to me it's it's just a smart move to do the question for me is whether someone else would be almost just as good in the same situation or not is melvin gordon special because of skills that he has 
or is he a product of just what the Los Angeles Chargers do on offense and a product of how good their passing game is and who their quarterback is? And, well, they don't have a great offensive line, but this would go for some other running backs. You have a great offensive line, and maybe that's a reason for your success. And I I think what we're getting into is a line being drawn between how good are you as a receiver and how much can you impact the passing game, then you deserve to get paid. And if you're not that big of a part of the passing game, then you probably don't deserve to get paid. Well, you look at Todd Gurley's situation from last year, and he got the big extension in the offseason, and he's in a situation now where he's the highest paid running back in football. Well-deserved, you know, and, and in great timing for him because of the knee injury, and now we hear it's... Kind of what did they say? Degenerative or something's going to affect yeah, and him. Then for, he claimed it wasn't arthritic, maybe. Yeah, arthritic. That's the one. Degenerative is the term Mike Zimmer used for um, those Sam, Sam Bradford's Bradford, knee. Yeah. Um, anyways, Whoops. he got paid at the right time because of something like that. And I think with running backs too, just the wear and tear on your body and what that position entails. I'm surprised more guys aren't doing things like this. Um, and especially with a guy like Melvin Gordon, too. He is effective in the passing game. He had four receiving touchdowns last year. That's a weapon that you want to ensure that's on your team and is an active part of that. If you can if if you can have that type of balance with a single player and he contributes that much offensively, I think he's within his right to demand kind of whatever he wants. Five point six million is too low for someone who's that dynamic and that big of a part of the offense. And it's not like they drafted a running back high this year. I mean, they've got to, they've got to pay the guy. I mean, I, I don't see any way around this for him to, you know, be happy. Yeah. Like you said, he was a big part of the passing game, 50 receptions. You mentioned the touchdowns and averaged almost 10 yards a catch, which is in the ballpark of wide receivers. Not to mention that he scored 10 rushing touchdowns, averaged over five yards a carry, I mean, these are some special numbers that he put up last season. But then, you know, when you look at, I like to look at yards per touch for running backs because it kind of tells you what their actual impact was, both receiving and uh, running the ball when they get it. And last year, it was kind of an outlier season for him. 6.1 yards per touch is elite, but he had never been a higher than 4.8 before. And I think if you're the Chargers, you probably hesitate a little bit because of that. And then... Here's the other part of it, too, is when put into this role. So when you're talking about the receiving part of running backs, um, a lot of guys can catch the football when you throw it to them and run after the catch because they're running backs. It's can you do anything beyond just what you're asked to do with running backs? So I'll give you an example. With Todd Gurley, the touchdown he scored against Anthony Barr was pretty special in Los Angeles where Usually a guy comes out of the backfield and it's an option route. He can go left or right, depending on the leverage of the linebacker. Right. And instead Todd Gurley goes vertical and he's, he's open in the end zone and that's vertical routes from running backs. If you can do that, you're adding a whole nother dimension to the offense. The same thing with the Chicago bears with uh, Tariq Cohen. That's like a wide receiver slash running back. Yeah, It's a slot receiver. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey, the same thing. And if you're not that type of guy, I'm not paying you. And, I looked at what the backup running back did for the Chargers last year. Austin Eckler. Ever heard of him? Nope. Nope, me either. Not till today. 554 yards rushing on 106 carries, so 5.2 yards per carry, which is a little bit more than Melvin Gordon. He averaged 10 yards a reception and scored three touchdowns receiving. I mean, he was basically the same guy as Melvin Gordon, and he's not... Uh, going to get paid anywhere near as much. So if I'm the Los Angeles Chargers, I guess I would say that the success Melvin Gordon had last year in his outlier great season probably has a lot more to do with what that offense was like and his role than it does necessarily him. The other, uh, to play devil's advocate here, I mean, he's been injured his entire career. To be able to play a full 16-game season, I think, is that's a struggle for him. So I could see the Chargers being like, hey, well, Body of work-wise, I mean, you had a really good 2018, but was it an outlier? I mean, was your on-field production really indicative of somebody who should be in the top, you know, top five, top six, seven, eight, nine, ten running backs? I mean, I don't know. Um, But then again, like, I think about running back contracts. I think about how much Jarek McKinnon got to go to the 49ers in free agency in 2018. Um the ACL wasn't his fault. I mean, we didn't get to see him on the field last year. But based off of being a number three running back and how much he got to 
switch offenses, to switch teams. You you look at the market and you think, okay, I'm just as good, if not better, than a Jarek McKinnon. I'm more dynamic. I'm a number one running back um, for the Chargers. I I think you I just think that his argument is very valid. And where he's at right now, he's criminally underpaid. He's one of the, you know, it's a position that is evolving and has been evolving in the NFL for a while. You have to be more than just a downhill rusher or, you know, somebody in between the in between the tackles type runner. And he can do that. It's just now it's a matter of okay, did they want a two back system where they really are not going to put that much of a load on him because they're worried about injuries? Then you, depending upon how they foresee him being used this year, I could understand the financial argument here, but I still think you got to pay the guy because players like that that are that dynamic, dynamic just don't come around every, you know, every so often. You might be able to get a guy like that in the second or third round, but you you spent a first round pick on this guy in 2015. That was the choice that you made, and you should expect that if somebody is pr- putting up the production that they that he did in 2018, or even if you even go back that 2016 season. I kind of catapulted this whole thing because that was, I think he had several injuries. I'm looking, he still played 16 games. That's the only 16 game season he played, but that kind of catapulted where he was at for 2017 and 2018. Um, I mean, he's got two Pro Bowls under his name. Pay the guy. He's an all pro player. There's, there's nothing here to, I mean, unless you want an unsatisfied player, somebody's just going to hold out. I don't know if he'd pull a Le'Veon Bell and just miss the whole season. I don't think he's that special, but. You know, Levin set an example. I don't know how many dudes are going to follow it in the future, but it is interesting to see that trajectory and how it worked for him and what's going to happen next. It, it kind of um, makes me think a lot about just how some teams should handle, how every team should handle this position in the salary cap league. Because if it was not salary capped, then pay Melvin Gordon, keep him around. He's good for you, and who cares if it blows up in your face. But when it's a salary cap league and the highest paid player at the position is over $14 million, that's locking yourself into a ton of money if you decide to re-sign Melvin Gordon. I think the smartest approach to running backs, and I would suggest this for the Minnesota Vikings as well when the, with, this, with Delvin Cook, is that you draft one sometimes in the first round. Sometimes in the second round, you draft one fairly high, one of the top running backs in the draft, give yourself the best chance that this guy's going to be great. Then you use them for five years if it's a first-round pick with the fifth-year uh, fifth option. If it's not, you use them for four years, and then you draft someone else. That's how I would do it every time. Because your higher draft picks are absolutely going to have a better chance than your Mike Boones or Rock Thomases at becoming these superstar players. But when you pay them, you really run the risk of them getting into their later 20s and having problems. And, I mean, here's how fast it happens. David Johnson. Remember when David Johnson was the guy everybody wanted to take in fantasy, like at the top? And how about even Devontae Freeman yeah. in, in the Super Bowl? He's there he's being third talked high, about. Fourth highest paid running back in the NFL right now. And he's had the injuries and everything else. You get past that 26, 27, and you find very few guys. Right now, I'm looking through all the running backs in the league. I'm seeing Adrian Peterson is 34 because he's a freak and a total outlier in life for uh, physical ability. Mark Ingram, who has been a part-time running back for a good portion of his career, and he just got paid by the Ravens. I'm having trouble finding anybody else other than LaShawn McCoy, who is 30-plus. Like That's just how this position works. I think I would want the guy's best years coming right out of college where he's 100% healthy, and then I'll find someone else four or five years down the road in the draft. It's not a bad strategy. I just think that if you're trying to do longevity, can you really even anticipate that somebody's going to give you drafted somebody in the first round, which is why I'm kind of against first-round running backs all around because I think that there's get your pass rushers, get your quarterbacks, and maybe, you know, maybe an offensive lineman. Just get, get like, your core players. I think you build your franchise around some of your first-round picks, which usually I'm not building my franchise around a running back. I know the Giants did it with Saquon Barkley, and he's dynamic. He's, you know, going to be a great playmaker if he can stay healthy, things like that. But, um... The revolving door aspect is what I worry about because you have to have quality depth. If you get somebody in the second or third round, that's great and everything, like what the Vikings did with Dalvin Cook. But then the smart strategy is maybe one or two years later, go get another third round, fourth round pick, probably third round. I'll say third round pick running back, just like they did with Alexander Madison, mm-hmm. to be able to bolster that position. Because if you don't have quality depth in your run game, despite it being a passing league, but if you're a smart team, you're using your running back also in the passing game as well. 
um, I don't think you give yourself much of a much of a chance. So that's probably where I would go with it. Um, the teams that don't do it right are the teams that go all in on a running back, especially with a high pick, and then don't really address it. Don't really and by don't really address it, I mean like fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, undrafted college free agent. Um, I mean the Raiders had that issue a few years ago, and I mean they got lucky because they got Jalen Richard, who was a you know undrafted college free agent who ended up being really good for them, but. Their six-round pick that they spent on DeAndre Washington that did not pan out. There are a lot. I mean, Marshawn Lynch did that really pan out? Can you honestly say that panned out? Kind of. It was a weird situation. Weird. But I just think that that's not doing it right. I think the way that you have to invest around the running back position is if you really are going to spend a first-round pick on it, two or three years later, you're probably trying to get somebody that's a high pick, too, to bolster that. Yeah, especially if the guy goes bust, for sure. Like mm-hmm. the Leonard Fournette of what are you doing sure. at that position now? Because... And and there's another psychological aspect to it when you spend a high draft pick on a running back. Like, you have to keep giving him chances, even if he's not good. So Terrell Davis was a sixth-round draft pick and becomes one of the great running backs in history, and that story goes for a lot of different running backs in the league who were not high draft picks and became great. Um, but if you have a first-round pick and there's someone else behind them who is better, you're going to feel beholden to the first-round pick, kind of like what we talked about. If you draft a kicker, that kicker has already won the kicking competition because you spent an asset with him, even though Kai Forbath probably should have been the Vikings kicker last year, maybe. Uh, And instead, it was the minute that they drafted Carlson, okay, well, he's going to be the kicker because they drafted him. Does the same thing go for long snappers that you take in the seventh (laughs) round with your last pick? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think you feel like you have to have the seventh round long snapper. Uh, what if but, you already have one on your <laughs> roster and you go and draft another long snapper? I, I man, I can't wait for that long snapping. It's going to be that's, that's one to watch. I have a bunch of lists for us to go through when we as we get closer to camp and most intriguing stories. I left off the long snapping competition, and I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize to you in advance for that. It's fine. Um, so I, just looking through running backs and thinking about the first round aspect of it, though that a lot of the great running backs are first or second round in the NFL now. And so the idea that you could find them anywhere, I'm not sure is quite correct. It's just, it's to me, it's much more about second contract. So when you go through these, Gurley has been one of the best running backs in the NFL, hands down. Saquon Barkley, you might not like the pick, but he was an incredible player last year, caught 91 passes. Christian McCaffrey, one of the best receiving slash running backs in the entire NFL. So you get these guys and you just don't pay them the second time if they're not the huge impact player in the receiving game or if they can't basically be a wide receiver slash running back. That's kind of how I would approach it, I think. Well, wouldn't you say that Melvin Gordon is that guy? I'm not sure if he's quite to that level. I mean, maybe, but, but, but look at the but rest his injury history would scare me a Fair. Lot. That would scare me too. But look at the rest of the weapons that they have around Phillip Rivers. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. I mean, they're good weapons, but... It's not a complete team, I think, if you don't have Melvin Gordon there. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It really depends to me on what you're projecting for the next five years. Like he's done enough the first five years to be, or four years to be someone that has given you a ton of value. But if you're projecting that out with the injuries, with the age curve for running backs, with the fact that his backup did just as well as kind of a red flag for how good he actually was, mm, I'm not. I'm not sure that. He's on the exceptional side where he's kind of like the reason you're succeeding, not part of your success, if that makes sense. And separating those things, I think, are very difficult. All right. Our random reporter of the week is Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. He's going to come on next. When we return, you are listening to Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Now, it's time to take you on a journey to a random NFL city for a football breakdown you didn't need. Down and dirty, rolling in the mud. 
That is right. You didn't ask for this football interview, but you're getting it anyway. Our friend from Yahoo Sports, Eric Edholm. What's up, Eric? Yo, Eric, are you there? We got you. Yeah, I've got you now. Sorry about that. My phone was messed up. Oh, that's okay. I have I really like hyped up that intro. We had the big thing, <laughs> and I was like, all right, we're time to football, Eric. Let's football. And then there was just silence. It was like, uh, you nailed it. I was, uh, it was all on me. I apologize about that. Okay, that's no problem. Well, Courtney Cronin <laughs> here and I were discussing yeah. um, the running back situation in the, the National Football League, and I'm sure you've noticed this, that every single day of our lives on Twitter, football people are yelling at each other, about running and running the football and whether running backs are worth the money. So tell me, is Melvin Gordon worth the money? <laughs> yeah, it's the existential question of our of our generation, I guess. Uh, do running backs matter, right? Yeah, they uh, talked about before, is there God? And like, we've moved right. past that, and now it's, are running backs worth it? I know. I'm glad we've moved in that direction, too. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I, I just... It's hard for me to not look at the salaries that have been given out to the top backs around the league, whether it's, you know, LaShawn McCoy or Todd Gurley with his health concerns or anybody. You can probably just look at the, you know, Le'Veon Bell, his holdout, everything that went on with that. Just look at the top six, seven, eight highest paid backs, and you can see issues with every single one of them and, and regret on the team side on some level, even if the player's talented. So, you know, I am not of the, the, the club that, you know, I know there are people out there never draft a back, a back in round one. Well, we've seen success with that. We've seen people do that effectively. And, and a first-year salary isn't going to be so unwieldy, you know, or a first-round pick salary, I mean, isn't going to be so unwieldy that it's going to, you know, crush your cap or ruin your team, uh, you know, dynamic or the makeup. But it's that second contract where, where obviously things get into, into a real sketchy area. And I think that's where – you know, the Chargers having found roles for two other backs on that team, Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, can basically tell Melvin Gordon, uh, okay, man, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see you when we see you, I guess. And, and they can play hardball right back at him. What did, what did, what Le'Veon did last year in holding out? And I know you mentioned just some of the top running back salaries. You go down the list, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Devontae right. Freeman, they've all dealt with injuries. Um, Gurley, Picked a smart time to do his extension last year before he had arthritic knees or before that came out. But with the injury con- and concerns aside and looking at Le'Veon Bell's situation, what could that possibly do for Melvin Gordon in forcing the Chargers hand here a little bit to get paid beyond you know what he's making right now at fi- what would be the $5.6 million fifth-year option? Yeah, I mean, you know, if I was Gordon's agent and I wanted to find leverage, I would say, you know, oh, look, hey, the Steelers had him and then they didn't and they weren't as good a football team, even though, you know, you could parse the numbers in a way that suggests that, you know, James Conner, his replacement, was every bit as as effective in in most regards as as Bell was. So, you know, the team's just going to go back and say that and say, great, you see it that way, we see it much differently. And, And I give a lot of credit to the Chargers. They've done really good work, you know, in terms of personnel and, and structuring their team, they've got they're pretty darn loaded talent wise. We've, you know, it, I don't think talent has been their issue in terms of why they've, you know, come up short repeatedly over the years. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you can look at it and say, well, did Bell ultimately get what he wanted, which is a you know, it seemed like he was prepared to have a change of scenery. Yes. Did he also lose some guaranteed money in the process and, and some money up front? You know, the time value of money and all that. Absolutely. So. You know, it depends on how you look at it. If Bell truly wanted his freedom, and that's the bottom line, great, he got it. He's, he's got a new situation. He got a big deal from the Jets. He got a deal that, frankly, I don't think any other team was going to offer him. But in the, in the big picture, did he still kind of lose out in a way? Yeah, I think so. Talking with Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. And, of course, Eric, you also covered the draft for yep. Yahoo. So let me throw this uh, out at you. If I were a team that was in good shape at the quarterback position, how I would handle running back would be every four years I draft a second rounder because usually teams are too afraid to invest in the best guys in the first round. So we've seen all sorts of second and third round talents like Delvin Cook, Elvin Kamara become the star players there. Is that a a trend you could see? Because I I don't think I would ever pay one a a big-time contract. By the time they're 25-26, that might be their athletic ceiling that you're already missing out on unless they're a really special freak show like Adrian Peterson. 
I, I think that that would be the way to go. Draft running backs in the second every fourth year. I think it's a fair, yeah, right, three, four, five years, whatever it may be, and, and obviously there have been undrafted backs who have had success in this league too. Does that mean every single one of them is going to be good? Of course not. Um, but, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, you can look at the Patriots and say, okay, they, they took Sony Michelle in round one last year, and then they came back this year with a, with a third-round pick in, in Damian Harris from Alabama. And, wow, that's a lot of investment to a position that is supposedly devalued. But, again, that kind of goes back to what I was saying before, was that I don't think running backs are necessarily devalued as much as they are dis- you know, disposable after that, that three-, four-year period, whatever it may be. Five years if they're special. Let them hit for agency, go cash in elsewhere. Good for you. you know, we'll find somebody else who's a lot cheaper, you know, unless you are a truly generational talent. Uh, you know, uh, committing that kind of money, just having seen the way these guys tend to break down. It used to be 30 years old. Now it seems more like 28 years old. Then I would absolutely take that approach and assume that the understudy could come in and even if they're, you know, 85, 90% as effective, that's still going to be the sound financial move than, than way overpaying for these guys. It's been just over a month since one of the hottest Friday news dumps in uh, NFL offseason <laughs> history uh, with the Texans firing GM Brian Gain. And now camp's basically, what, like two weeks away, 12 days away? And the Texans yeah. say, hey, we're not going to have a GM. We're going to divvy up some of these responsibilities of what a GM does among front office members. What's your take on this situation? Is this going to be too many cooks is this going to be a situation where when they're narrowing down that roster from 90 to 53 a lot of meddling in there they still need to get Jadavian Clowney signed if they want to do that mm-hmm. and figure out what the heck they're doing it seems like a bad timing and b like a disaster waiting to happen you bring up a great point about clowning situation you know let's say they didn't have to worry about that maybe it's not as big a deal you know maybe there, there's enough you know look I mean Bill O'Brien clearly has asserted his his power and, and gotten some some power handed to him. There's obviously been, you know, the, the the death of Bob McNair, the owner. There's been a ton of structural changes. They've made sweeping changes in the in the remainder of the scouting department as well. There's there's been a lot of turmoil there. The one constant in recent years has been a Bill O'Brien. He, I assume he's kind of the wink nod de facto GM of sorts where. You know, other guys like James Lifford and some of the personnel guys will have a lot of say. But if it weren't for that clowny situation, I would be really concerned. I mean, I wouldn't be really concerned. But the fact is, they've got a guy who wants a lot of money, who doesn't appear anywhere close to signing, you know, or agreeing to what the, t- t- uh, the team's terms are. That's a big deal right now. Just take a big-picture look at the roster of the Texans. They have, like, I think four blue-chip players. You've got... Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, and Jadavion Clowney. I would say Clowney would be fourth on that list, but still. I mean, after that, who's their fifth-best player? Arjic McKinney. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, they just have a lot of middle-class players, and I just think there's a huge drop-off. So you take one of those blue chippers away, assuming he's not, you know, they don't have the right negotiator, they don't get this guy signed and into camp. To me, that's a big, big loss for a team that, I don't know. This, this it's really hard to know where they fit into the the power structure of the NFL. I assume there could be a, a little bit of a, a drop back this year. So we'll see. Do they go for Nick Casario next year? It's you know that seems to be what the long game is. Talking with uh, Eric Edholm, Yahoo Sports. Eric, um, if you were the GM of the Texans, tell me what you would do that NFL general managers usually don't do what would be your unique gm angle if they called you up and said you know what we've been following you since pro football weekly man we want you hey hey ray if uh, mcshay can get interviews why not eric edholm what, what would i do to get the job of gm you mean not what, what you would do to get the job but what, oh, okay. what would you do differently if they gave you the job if they called you up and hired gotcha. you okay. what would you do different than what nfl gms currently do yeah and let's just just make this entirely clear. That scenario would never play out because I've been a little bit harsh on that team at times. <laughs> I've been called out by one or two members of that organization, just throwing that out there. But Maybe they know you're right. Yeah, that's right. Maybe somebody there saw my brilliance or something like that. I don't know. Let's, let's assume it's brilliance. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, obviously, the clowning situation, I think I would want to have that 
rectified as soon as possible, whether it means a trade, which probably wouldn't be the ideal scenario in terms of losing a you know, a big talent. I still have my minor questions about him and whether he's truly a transcendent guy, but that's a big deal right there. I also would have handled the draft a lot differently, too. I mean, look, I thought their 2018 draft for not having a first or a second-round pick was actually really good. I mean, they got some good players like Justin Reed and the tight ends they drafted, Kiki QT, et cetera. But this year's draft, I gave him my lowest grade, and I know it's an immediate grade and five years it'll look different, but, man, I thought, you know, you have Andre Dillard, who I thought was a top 15 talent in this entire draft. You have a massive need at left tackle. You let the Eagles leapfrog you and get them. I mean, that that just can't happen, I don't think. And we'll see if the Alabama State kid is good, Titus Howard, but I felt like they missed a big opportunity there. So I would probably be solely focused on finding any way possible to upgrade that offensive line and, and not get my prize quarterback, Deshaun Watson, get killed. That's That would have to be number one in terms of my approach. And, you know, that's not a position that you just go out to the – to the SWAT meet and find starting grade players. That's uh, that's oh. the reality right now. You're on in Minnesota, so I think we are somewhat aware yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. It's close to home, right? Exactly. So, Jadavian Clowney aside, when camp starting in two weeks, which other player, and I'm going to actually take out Dak Prescott and I'm going to take out Julio Jones. So, of the remaining guys that are due a new contract, deserve yeah. a new contract. Who deserves more to get paid in these next two weeks? Or I guess, right, if we can include the start of training camp, too, maybe the first week there. Who, who do you predict that's probably going to get that big deal? And, and who deserves it the most? Oh, good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I, those are the two obvious ones, right? And I think, especially given, you know, Ezekiel Elliott obviously was, was not given the suspension right, but everybody kind of understands that, look, this still wasn't a good look, the incident that happened in May, you know, having to go to fly to talk to Roger Goodell. So I think he's probably out of the equation, too. You know, there's been talk about maybe Tom Brady getting a one-year extension at some point, and there had been chatter around the draft time, like, well, he's going to sign a, a one-year deal because he's only signed through this year, you know, and that's that's kind of a weird thing, right? I don't think we've ever had Brady get to the final year of his contract before. So for a team coming off a Super Bowl win, and they've won plenty of them over the past several years, yeah, maybe that's not as big an issue as, as some other teams are facing right now. But just the, the question of the guy who said he wants to play well into his 40s, if that's the case, is he on kind of a wait-and-see deal if they don't get this thing done? And if Nick Casario is going to Houston, is it just Belichick making that call? Uh, remember the whole Garoppolo thing? Boy, uh, you know, he seemed to get traded with the idea that Brady was going to be a Patriot for life. Well, what happened? Did they use the franchise tag? So many questions up in the air with that, but it hasn't gotten a lot of attention at this point because I think everybody just assumes, okay, well, Brady will, will make a call on when he's going to walk away. We'll see. I don't know. There's, there's some interesting stuff going on there. Eric, uh, you still live in Chicago, right? You didn't yeah. move to the sunny uh, L.A. offices of Yahoo Sports when you moved there? You're still, in, you're still a Midwest guy? Uh, I am, yeah. I don't think I could convince my wife to go out there. She likes it here, but, but you know, it is nice. Uh, the traffic is equally terrible. I would argue that to anyone, <laughs> right. that it's just as bad in Chicago as it is in L.A. Um, so let me ask you a Chicago question. The, the big thing with us trying to figure out the NFC North, the wild card, is are the Bears going to be just as good or are they going to fall back? Because you could make the case that they'll be just as good if Mitch Trubisky grows even a little bit more, but you could make the case that they fall back if he's the same quarterback and the defense isn't as good. So what is your take? Yeah, I mean, so many, you know, when we start looking ahead and saying, okay, who are the teams that are going to win more games, who are going to win fewer, there are those obvious things we look for and we say, okay, who played the toughest schedule last year? Who played the easiest schedule? Let's, let's factor that in. I think the Bears played like the 31st toughest schedule last year. Okay, that suggests that maybe you know some of those wins won't happen this year. They also had a huge health factor that really benefited them until late in the year you know, when Eddie Jackson got hurt, and I know Mitch missed two games, but – you know, they were pretty darn lucky with injuries. They were one of the least injured teams. That suggests that a regression might come as well. You know, one-score games, they were kind of middle of the pack. Okay, that's another number you might use. I think the Trubisky factor is real. I can see his passing yards actually going up this year and being a little more effective and then still winning fewer games because 
Look, I mean, change of scenery in Green Bay. Maybe things are a little steadier in Minnesota. Who knows with Detroit? But you could argue that, you know, those other three teams at least had better off seasons than what the Bears did. They didn't add a ton. You know, they didn't have the draft pick capital. They didn't go out and sign a, a ton of players. So I, I still say there's a little bit of a worry for, for them coming anywhere close to 12 wins. That's going to be very, very hard to do again. Even if Trubisky does take that proverbial step forward and is a little bit more steady and has a better grasp on what Matt Nagy's trying to do up there. How hard is this division to figure out, man? Like, you just laid it out there. It is so tough. This, to me, is the toughest division to figure. I do this, like, I have this, like, Excel spreadsheet that I punch a bunch of numbers into. Of course you do. All the stuff we were just talking about. Okay, these are going to make my predictions in the fall and everything. I have all four. Oh, the Lions are maybe a little bit farther behind than the other two, three teams, but I don't really know how to separate these three. I really don't because, look, are the Bears going to have that many turnovers for us? Are they going to have that many defensive touchdowns again? Probably not. That's another reason why I keep thinking, you know, I could see them being as, de- as good a team on paper but still going 9-7. and seven. So that kind of pushes them into the same range that the Packers and Vikings were in last year. I mean, that's really what they were, you know, roughly in that that same kind of range of records. So it's tough. I I think a healthy Aaron Rodgers cannot be overlooked. But then again, I still like the, you know, the overall makeup of this Vikings team. And I don't know which way I'm leaning right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is going to be extremely fascinating. And we got uh, on the road at Chicago week two for the Vikings, on the road to the Pat Or no, I'm sorry. Bear, uh, Bears, are, I think, are week four. Bears are week four. four. Packers, Packers are week, week two. two. So we're going to yep. get uh, a good uh, vision of that early on in the season. And I'm sure as the season gets closer, we will talk to you again. Eric Edholm, always great stuff, man. Great chat with you. Pleasure's mine. Enjoy the rest of the summer, you guys. For sure. You can uh, find Eric on Twitter whenever Twitter decides to work again, at Eric underscore Ed Holm, E-D-H-O-L-M. It's broke. It's broked. It's hard to do radio without Twitter being active. No, because you can't get responses from people and so forth. And I forget like how everyone defines themselves in their biography, like who we bring on with um, you know, to interview different guests, yeah. Yeah, like exactly what the numbers of the radio station they work for, or exactly what Eric Edholm's you, you know, said pro football weekly and talked about his old days. I mean, yeah, what if you said pro football focus? You would have just thrown everything into the ether. And, and there's a pro football focus guy also named Eric. It's just, uh, it's ruining my day. Can we do hot routes without Twitter being active? Is that a thing? Usually I like to put out one of the hot routes on Twitter, so it does make it much harder. Um, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the uh, Melvin Gordon contract situation, but as it pertains to the Vikings, not just Delvin Cook, but... The future of contracts with the Vikings. Will it ever get tricky like this? That's what we will discuss when we return. Uh, Courtney Crone and Matthew Collar here on Purple Daily. We'll be right back. Drink the Purple Punch. It burns your insides and it makes your eyes water. Purple Daily on Score North. ScoreNorth.com. Time for a Score North download. It's 244 and I'm Manny Hill and... uh, One of the big questions surrounding the Minnesota Vikings going into 2019 is, can Kirk Cousins kick his game up a notch? Can he get better? He needs to be better than what he was in 2018. And in fact, if you go to scorenorth.com and read Matthew Collar's piece titled, How Can Kirk Cousins Get to the Next Level? You can get Collar's perspective on how Kirk Cousins can get better. I'm willing to bet you touched on third downs, converting on third downs at some point in this piece. I did. A lot, actually. A ton. That's a big part of the piece. (laughs) That's your score north download. (laughs) Welcome back to Purple Daily. (laughs) Thank you for that, Manny. I actually have not checked out the piece. I will check that out at some point. Uh, I'm still in off-season mode. Show started at 2 p.m., so you did have some time to do that. I did. I was actually reading a book this morning called Football Scouting Methods, just to show you how in the weeds I am. So um, You are so football. I'm I'm in the weeds. Um, So Melvin Gordon wants to get paid. We talked about that for the first 45 minutes of the show. Doesn't want to play on his fifth-year option. And whether he can force the Chargers' hand, show that he has some leverage here, maybe the Le'Veon Bell situation helps, maybe... His role within the offense in his 2018 season helps. Who knows? But there's an interesting tie here to the Vikings and other. I mean, I'm sure you can make this with other teams. But last offseason, 
right around this time, or maybe a little bit earlier, Daniil Hunter inked his second contract. Stefan Diggs had his extension at the start of training camp. And both, I think, by and large, most people would consider very team-friendly deals. Now, how does this relate to Melvin Gordon? Well, when you look at these two players, and maybe you want to throw Anthony Barr in here, Matthew, um, is there a chance that we're going to be looking at some Vikings players who took these deals to keep the core of this team together, who might have shortchanged themselves by a few million bucks? I'm thinking of Daniil Hunter, who might have been about 3 to $4 million, taking about 3 to $4 million less than he could have possibly made had you know he signed it after the 2018 season. Are we going to get to a point where we're seeing these guys demand that they get a new deal, that they rip up what they currently have because they feel like they are criminally underpaid for their production? So who made me think of this more than Melvin Gordon or Le'Veon Bell was Paul George in the NBA, that Paul George signed a contract with the Oklahoma City Thunder and then was like, nah, I don't really want to. No, nope. Trade me to L.A. And with a year still left on his uh, contract. Yes. And basically decided, yeah, this commitment I made, I don't really want to make that commitment. And with Daniil Hunter's contract, this is the worst contract in the league for any player of his caliber. That's not a rookie deal. This is a guy who is deserving, especially with his age, to be one of the highest paid players at his position and isn't really anywhere close. When I look at fully guaranteed money, this is nuts. Fully guaranteed money for Daniil Hunter is $16.9 million. For Demarcus Lawrence, who's mm-hmm. older than him and maybe just as good or not quite as good as Daniil Hunter, it's $48 million is fully guaranteed for Demarcus Lawrence and only sixteen point nine, according to OverTheCap.com, for Daniil Hunter. And if I were advising Daniil Hunter, I would be like, okay... Rip this one up at if he does it the same thing this year as he did last year. Rip this contract up. I don't care how long you signed it for. You have to demand a new deal that makes you one of the highest paid players in the NFL because you are definitely one of the most valuable. And the same thing might go for Stefan Diggs. If he has a hundred catch season and he is as valuable as he has been to Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford then you're talking about one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And even though he is highly paid, it's not the same level as many of the other top wide receivers in terms of the fully guaranteed money. Stefan Diggs, also $16.9 million. Odell Beckham, $41 million guaranteed. That is a massive gap. And there, these are two very distinct contract situations, which I think are going to rear their head at some point for the Vikings. Um, I want to stick with Daniil Hunter first because, all right, so he's 23 years old when he signs that deal. I think I have a better chance of becoming the Texans GM, like you were asking Eric at home, uh, <laughs> than, than Griffin lasting, excuse me, than Hunter lasting out the rest of this deal, which is a five-year deal. He'd be 28. He's like on the cusp of his prime uh, by the time this deal is set to expire. Where Where's the rub here, though? Can you put him in Khalil Mack, in Aaron Donald, and can you put him in that type of caliber uh, in order to pay him? I think that that's where I kind of have the... We talk about he's elite. He is elite. If he can have another double-digit sack season while still fighting through double teams, and clearly, I mean, he was the most targeted player on that defensive line. I mean, you have to game plan for him. He's a monster. But... When, when do we? When do we? When are we ready to say okay? He is so much more deserving than the fourteen point four million on average for year, a year than he is than he has right now. I'm not ready to put him into that category yet. I think he is on Demarcus Lawrence level. He could have made more on a franchise tag had he played out the 2018 season, but I'm just not ready yet to put him in that caliber where I say, okay, rip the deal up. It absolutely makes no sense. I don't think he's criminally underpaid yet, but I do think he will have shortchanged himself by millions of dollars by the time this deal gets second year, third year, which it should not get to the third year without them saying next off at season, hey, we need to go back to the to the negotiation table. Okay. My question is a little bit different on the Daniel Hunter than whether he's worth it or not uh, long-term if he would be worth being pushed up into that category or demanding to be pushed up into that category. Because I think based on his age, it's very possible that he will be uh, deserving of into that um, to, to look for 
a new contract the same way that Adam Thielen did. Adam mm-hmm. Thielen was not getting paid enough and went to them and they said, uh, pay me what I'm supposed to be paid, and they did. My question, though, is how much longer the goodwill lasts for the Vikings to bring players back the way that they did on deals that were less than they could have gotten on the free agent market. So when we go down this list, Daniil Hunter took a preposterous deal to come back when he could have just waited another year and then forced himself to be franchised, or which would have made him extremely wealthy, or forced them to sign him to a much, much bigger contract, kind of what Jadavion Clowney is doing right now. If Daniil Hunter had forced their hand like that, uh, he would have gotten paid much more. And instead he said, no, 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 it's fine. I'll sign this. And even though it's only fully guaranteed 16.7 million. Yeah. The 40 million guarantees of the 72, those are for injuries, right? Yeah. A lot of injury guarantees in there. I remember last year when we were on the show, um, we were talking about, wow, $40 million. And you really look into the contract details. What is it? 16.6 total. So if basically if his career ended today for some odd reason, sell yourself short for 16, 16.6 million when you are so much worth so much more than that and it will continue right. to be that's one third of demarcus lawrence who is probably the same caliber of player so it's a it's a terrible contract for daniel hunter and he might eventually want to tear it up but i guess my question is how many of these guys even right now after doing that would do it again at this moment or will do it again in the future. How many players for this franchise will take team-friendly deals? Anthony Barr did to some extent to come back and then structured it to have a very low cap number this year. Adam Thielen played nice with them when he didn't necessarily have to. Uh, Trey Wayans has an interesting situation where he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this year. Um, But you just have a number of players here that I wonder, will they, especially if things don't go great in the wins category, but do in the individual category, if someone like Stefan Diggs would come back and say, okay, I caught another 100 balls again, and I know I signed this other contract, but I don't care about that. I'm worth more now when you compare me to the rest of the league. And also, I'm not into taking team-friendly deals anymore. I mean, eventually, this is the Antonio Brown thing. It's not. It's not just that he wanted more money. It's that... Pittsburgh started mistreating him. His quarterback started mistreating him, and then his organization started siding with his quarterback, and then he decided, you know what? It was all about winning before when I signed that last contract, but now that my quarterback is acting this way, I'm out of here, plus get me more money. I guess I wonder if some of the future of contracts of the Minnesota Vikings hinges on how well they do this year, the approach that we see from the star players in the future. Well, when you look at how, why guys did this last year and why there were so many team-friendly deals from Eric Kendricks to kick off the 2018 offseason to Daniil Hunter and then Stephon Diggs, um, and Anthony Barr kind of held out there for, for the deal. He wasn't going to agree to something. Both parties throughout the 2018 offseason could not agree, and that's why negotiations became stagnant, uh, and he didn't agree to anything before the start of the 2018 season. I think the guys that did sign these team-friendly deals, they look at this opportunity that they have in a Super Bowl window. Let's call it that. Um, And they say, okay, if we can keep the core together as long as we can, I'm willing to take to shortchange myself because it means winning. It means, you know, the prospect of keeping a unit together that, you know, is torn apart year after year by the turnover in the NFL. If you don't win games... Or if things go awry, if there's any sort of locker room rift, just like there was, you mentioned the Pittsburgh situation, if that were to happen here, I think that you have a totally different attitude among players. But because we've seen this defense, specifically, I'll stay in the defense, guys wanting to come back, guys wanting to play together, guys wanting to play for Mike Zimmer and willing to take a pay cut in order to do so, that's one thing, but... If this team doesn't, if that doesn't equate to wins, I think that you have a completely different attitude about this going into the 2020 season when you have players who might be approached, A, approached for a restructure. When I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about Linville Joseph potentially. Um, you know, whatever happens with Everson Griffin after this season, um, you know, Xavier Rhodes, Xavier Rhodes, uh, you know, and the, Harrison Smith, even, I mean, he, I doubt they'd ever ask him to do that, but he, you know, he has another year after on his contract after the, after this season. So it's possible that guys are like, no, absolutely not. And I, Right. I don't and think Kyle I don't kind think of you, played a little hardball with them this year. Yeah, because he felt like he was worth more. 
Um, he wasn't, he did not want to take the pay cut and you can't blame him. I think guys should be able to vouch for themselves and their talent and say, okay, why would I help this organization just in terms of the financials? Yeah. You want to keep guys together. And sometimes that's the only way you can do it, but you have to put yourself first because the guaranteed money is so few and far between a lot of times in these contracts, the mega deals are one thing, but for a lot of other guys, that's not the case. And Team-friendly deals are cute on the surface, but a lot of times when when careers are not very long in this league and guaranteed money and these contracts are not guaranteed like they are in the NFL and the NBA and um in, or excuse me in the NHL and NBA and Major League Baseball, it's you kind of put yourself in a tough position um, from a leverage standpoint when you're willing to do it once. And if they try to come back at you with it again, I think you should be like, "No, nah, I'm going to do it differently this time." I right, when we come back, it's time. And Twitter's back, so this is Twitter's great. back. It's time for Hot Routes. When we return, I am uh, very excited about today. Manny Hill is in. Judd Zulgad is going to come in, and uh, it's going to be a party. And then, yes, uh, Manny, you mentioned earlier my article at the middle of scorenorth.com. Um, earlier in this offseason, Kirk Cousins said he wants to get to the next level, which is winning. So I broke down the different ways that he can do it. So we're going to talk about that with Judd Zolgad as well in our second hour of the show. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.